What's going on, everybody? My name is Justin, and this is the Pride of Vermont podcast, a show dedicated for growing grassroots rugby into a global brand. This week on the show, we got an absolute legend, a guy that needs no introduction, but he gets one anyway. Uh, 13 years as a professional player, worked for the RFL, one-time interim coach for the USA Hawks, uh, just an absolute great guy all around. Uh, can't say enough good things about him. He is the man with the plan, the driving force behind the Boston 13s, Robin Pierce. Robin, thanks for coming on the show. Again this week, nothing but drama coming out of the Super League. We find out about Toronto's fate, which, uh, you know, I think we everybody knew. Uh, you know, what's your thoughts on, on what happened with them, where we're at? Yesterday was interesting. Um, I, if I'm honest, I kind of figured that's what was going to happen. I a little bit disappointed that it took so long and was strung out so long. I, I feel like that this was always going to be the uh, the the outcome that that we ended up with, you know. Yeah, it's it's interesting though, because then today we find out that sounds like Hull is uh, not going to finish the rest of the season. So it's interesting that the Wolfpack would go out yesterday and then. Um, the news with yeah, Hull well, I don't out. know if you've seen in the last hour, um, the RFL have docked uh, three competition wins from Salford because they didn't pay a debt something like seven years ago. But they've, they've docked it from them this season. The season's already kind of done, so it's kind of like a meaningless punishment. So there's all sorts going on. Yeah. And, uh, everything's kind of crazy. There's, there's nothing ever straightforward in the crazy world of rugby league. And it seems to just continue to be like a like a daytime soap opera uh, over there. And you know, I think the only thing that we can um, we can take as a sign of of things to come is that it just continues to be the same thing. So I think there's going to be um, there's going to have to be some real hard uh, line looks at what they're doing and what the future is going to be like if if there's going to be a, a continuous yeah, path exactly. of success. Yeah, I am. I I actually worked for the RFL back home for. Um, kind of like full time and part time for, uh, like pro- probably ten years, and um, obviously at that point you know I yeah. was very pro RFL, but um, there just seems to be a lack of of leadership at the top for the last ten or fifteen years. Now it's been mm-hmm. a long time. It hasn't been a few years. It's been it's been a long time, and um, I feel like that that's that's being seen right now. You know, like the fact that. Um, the broadcast deal isn't what it probably should be. You know, the fact that they're accepting sponsorship deals from pizza companies for product instead of cash. Um, all that type of all that type of stuff. You, you, yeah, you that, think that um, things really need to be looked at at the top. It does definitely seem kind of bush league to go. All right, well, we'd like to be your sponsor, but we want to pay you in in pizza. Um, <laughs> I don't know how yeah, that really exactly. comes across you know, like as professional. We, we want all this TV exposure weekly, and yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna pay the we're gonna pay you guys in pizza to feed the players after a game. Like like as a super league, like how how it, it's not a vast amount of money to pay players to eat after the game you know we, we we pay for players to eat here in Boston after the game it's not a huge expense you know and the, on the on the flip side they're professional athletes they shouldn't be eating pizza after the game anyway <laughs> yeah 100% right I mean it's a good deal yeah. for, for they, Papa John's for sure I mean they got yeah, exactly. away with, you know, with like, basically nothing with an airline and said you know we're, we're paying for flights to 
Canada and to France whenever you guys are um, flying there. And instead of a cash transaction, it's like, you know, we're, we're flying the teams around the, the world. Then you could see that as a viable sort of trade-off. But um, yeah, to, to, to give, you know, 20 pizzas per club per weekend, you know, like I, I, I work in bars and restaurants. I know how much a pizza costs to make. You know, it's, it's not a huge amount of money. Pennies considered over over volume, yeah, right? Exactly. It doesn't. It's exactly, not much yeah. at all. Yeah. So, where do you think this? Where do you think this leaves? Uh, you know, the likes of New York and, oh, and Ottawa. It's a very big question. You know, very good question. You, you'd think that they're starting to wonder whether there's a place for them in the Super League if they um, go through the right channels to get there. Yeah, you, you, you've got to you've got to yeah. wonder that. You know. Um, there needs to be um, statements made now that, that what what is the process? You know, like if if well, Ottawa are starting next next year. You know, I got I got friends who have signed contracts to play from. If like Ottawa need to know now that there's a there's a route to Super League. If there's not, then they can make those decisions accordingly. You know, for sure, yeah. Because I think you get you get into the beginning of it, and you you go. Do I know all these things coming into it? And I look at kind of Toronto purely as as the business, right? Take the emotion out of it. Take the sport out of it. You know, what's the upside? What's the downside? And can you live with the downside? If the answer to that last question is yes, then you go ahead and do it. And But, you know, I, I think for a lot of reasons, we found ourselves in business uh, right now. I think I think it's JP Morgan who said, uh, when the tide goes out, that's when you find out who's swimming naked, right? And uh, I think, you know, times have gotten bad and we find out who was really close to running really close to their margin and, and who was operating uh, in, in a healthy position and who wasn't. And, um, you know, I think a lot of things are going to get exposed right about now in, in, in business. And, you know, it, does that mean that Toronto was exposed for, for bad business practices or whatever? I think I think they had a disadvantage going in, but I think they knew that um, they knew all the disadvantages. Hopefully they knew it all. And, um, you know, they needed to have a plan in place and, and yeah, nobody saw COVID coming, but you know, you knew everything else was there. So I don't know anything about their financial situation or, or what happened, but I would imagine just based on what I've seen, um, they, they were pretty close to not yeah, being profitable from of, the beginning. But it's, you know, I, I, I love the fact that we had professional rugby league in North America. I, I certainly did, but uh, there was certainly a lot of, a lot of questions around the Wolfpack project. Um, that it, you know, sort of the people that asked or people kind of maybe put their head in the sand and didn't ask. You know, like I, I, I didn't hundred percent love that they were basically based in England. I uh, and, and they would fly into Canada for, mm. you know, how, however many week, ten weekends a year or, or whatever. You know, um, didn't didn't love that. Didn't right. love the fact that um, they were just a, basically a squad of English and Australian players. They they didn't, in my eyes, do anything to try and put any North American players on the roster. They, they did a, a reality TV show in the start, uh, but they did stupid stuff. Like, they didn't, they didn't check that these players um, were going to be, like, exempt from the overseas quota. They didn't check that these players could have visas to, to live and work in England um, because that's where the squad was based. Hmm. So I, I, believe, I believe there was a Jamaican kid that they wanted right. to sign but he, he couldn't get a visa because Jamaica wasn't classed as a high, a high enough nation to to get a professional um, sportsman's visa to play professional rugby league in England. Yeah, I heard recently kind of about some other players who were trying to, to move over and, and get to Ottawa or some other teams and just kind of heard 
basically through social media, how the whole process works of getting that visa. And it just sounds, I don't know. It, it sounds like, um, I guess I would think it would be questionable being, you know, being somebody from, from the United States and how, you know, looking at the way our visas work and um, from the outside, but man, it would be tough to be a, a good player from a nation that's not really recognized and you haven't had any competitions at a international level. Um, yeah. Trying to make it into the league. You know, we, do, we do have some, um, some talented athletes here in America and, um, yeah, I, there's one especially, you know, I, I'll point out like Monty Gattis out in Cleveland. Um, Monty could maybe go mm-hmm. and play a semi-professional rugby league in England. He's, he's certainly not a Super League level just yet. But, um, but yeah, Monty doesn't qualify for a professional sportsman's visa to play semi-professional sports, unfortunately. That's just how it is. Toronto should have known that when they, when they started this search for the, the next... Um, the next player, you know, um, Ottawa, I, I might be wrong on this, but I believe they came out at the start and said, we're going to be totally different from the Wolfpack. We're going to have Canadian-based players, um, yada, yada, yada. Well, as of right now, I don't think they've signed a Canadian player. If they do sign Canadian players and they're planning on basing themselves in England, which is what they look, it looks like is going on, um, these Canadian players aren't going to qualify for visas. Something needs done, like, you, you know, sort of the RFL, Super League, need to talk with the British government and say, you know, like, we want the restriction, the visa restrictions laid a little bit, you know, so we have this professional team in our competition. They're from Canada. They wanted Canadian players playing professional sports in, in a British competition. Like, they, there needs to be some dialogue had by the involved, the governing body and the and the British government. I was hearing stories of Wolfpack players in Canada on tourist visas. I think they, I think some one of them even got pulled up at the border one time when he flew in with the with the team. Yeah, there's all sorts of that type mm. of stuff that needs ironed out. He flew. He had a professional sportsman's mm. visa to play in England, but flew in to play professional sports in Canada. Obviously, play play a game and got stopped at, at the airport. Say like, hey, what are you doing here? I'm play, here to play a professional sports game. Well, your visa says you're here as a tourist. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I've, I've said that for a while that Toronto was probably the most important team in North America uh, for the good reasons and for the bad, right? Obviously they were first, they got promoted, they draw a lot of eyeballs. And in light of what's gone on recently, uh, they're also very important for all the bad things that happened to them and, and where they found themselves or put themselves or whatever happened in their situation. And, you know, anybody who's going to come after has really got to learn from exactly what happened with, with Toronto. And, and if you don't, you're yeah, exactly. bound to repeat their misfortune. Keeps, um, keeps shooting itself in the foot. Like for, for, I'll, I'll throw an example out there. Um, my club back home the, uh, was Gated Thunder. It's now Newcastle Thunder. Uh, we were awarded a, an expansion franchise to play in the Super League in 1999. That was our first ever season. Um we we went bust after one year. From what I understand, we had four hundred thousand dollars worth of debt after one year. And but we were not given any of the Sky TV money as an expansion team. It was like, yeah, you can come and join the comp, but you can't you can't share this broadcast money with us. So we're basically going to tie one hand, hand behind your back. Well, hey, what just happened to Toronto? Toronto didn't have a share of the TV money. You know, like like we should have learned from what happened fifteen years earlier that if a team's going to come into the comp and that's the major, that's where every other team's money comes from. They need a share too. And if, and if you're not going to give them a share, then it's probably not a good idea giving them a spot in your competition. For sure. I, you know, I've been, I've been around arena football for a while and uh, that's where I was before I came to, 
kind of back to where I, I think I really should have been all along in, in rugby league, but it's the same thing, right? I've been in organizations where year one, we go out, we spend a ton of money, we win a championship. Uh, the next year we can't operate the year after that uh, we have a new owner and they're trying to put money together and we go out and we, we put players together. We bring, bring all these uh big name players in uh we have another championship and then we can't play again for another year because we yeah you know same thing just over and over and i just think you gotta we gotta stop looking at the short-term success and, and look at the long-term um success and, and do we have a plan for that and i think if the answer is no to, to both of those questions and yeah we got a question I, I, I we're think doing, unfortunately right? super league doesn't have a lot I, I was reading things today like you know uh however long Mr. L Stone has been in charge of Super League maybe two years now. You know, like show us your plan. Where's your plan? What are you gonna? Where are you gonna take Super League? What What, what are your mm. What are your facts and figures that where we Where we're at right now? How many people watch on TV? How many people through the gate? You know, um, how, how much commercial revenue is coming in? Tell us where you want to be in two years, three years, four years, five years. And yeah, yeah, documented like sort of, but supposedly there is no plan. It's just year to year, different decisions being made. Um, we uh we want a fourteen team super league. No, we don't. We want a twelve team super league. We want teams in France and Canada. We don't want teams in France. Like they do, everybody just keeps changing their mind. Yeah, I think if you look at some of the best companies out there, uh, just in business, you know, uh, they the closer to the customer they are, the stronger the relationship is. But also the the more clear message that they have and and uh, they're just open and honest about what the numbers are what they're trying to do uh, what the product is why you you know it just i feel like rugby league has really struggled to continue to stick to basic business principles and i think we've got to come back around to that whatever happens with with toronto and ottawa and, and new york uh who we haven't heard anything from in, in quite a while um you know even even USARL, Cali, anybody that's out there, uh, you know, us, we've got to stick to basic business principles off the field, right? And we've got to put in just as much hard work yeah. off the field as we do on the field. Because if we don't, this, you know, the competition on the field yeah. is irrelevant we're because with we're not going to be able to operate. Yeah, we're, we're, we're tripping over each other's feet instead of all working in the same in the same direction. It's the same with the with the USARL, how we have we have a we have kind of like two governing bodies we have a uscrl that runs the domestic competition and the uscrl that runs the um is the governing body and you know sort of they don't the, the organizations don't like each other it's it, it's it, it, it is stupidity you know it's absolute stupidity that that this is how things work and it's such a small sport in america but as per usual certain people have their own self-interest at heart and it's to the detriment of the sport. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta start out at what's our overall goal. You know, if we're clear about what that is, and we're clear about the resources we need to put behind it, you know, we'll be successful. If we don't know what we want, if we're not in this together, uh, if we don't have the resources to put behind it, it's just, you know, you'll you'll wind up being a, a developing nation for you know fifteen twenty years, which is what yeah exactly. you know, we've been that much longer than that. If you look at just twenty years, continuing ago, to... um, where you where rugby league was in the U.S. You know we had probably a ten team domestic tournament and the international team playing two three four games a year. It's exactly where we're at right now. It, yeah, I mean that is not that is not how you you generate progress, and and that's damn sure not how you get successful, right? especially if you, you want to take 
what we're already doing to the next level. And, and I think we can do that, but we've got to be smart about how we do it. I mean, we could have uh, a big financial team come in and, and just throw money at all the existing teams that are out there right now, uh, no matter who it is. And if they're not smart with what they do, if they don't have a good, strong business plan, if they haven't built solid uh, community ties, uh, you know, we just waste a ton of money for, for yeah. to go nowhere yeah, other than where we're already at. Yeah. So, you know, this discussion was really, I'm glad that we've talked about all these things because it's, you know, that's important to talk about, you know, how we're going to get to the next level and, you know, going from grassroots to a global brand and, and all of those things are extremely important. But uh, I wanted to spend a few minutes just kind of going back to it. So uh, the way I understand it from what I've read, Boston is the third, um, the third oldest team in the United States. Is that correct? Um, that's a good in, question. I actually don't know the answer to that one. I could, I could, I could maybe try and work it out. Uh, yeah, I th- yeah, yeah. I think there was Bucks County, and then I think uh, Jacksonville was Jacksonville right before you guys. Right? Is that is that correct? And th- I would say Philadelphia fight were before us. Yeah, yeah. Um, Philadelphia, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, the, the only I, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm I came eight years ago, and uh, I'm not I'm not sure whether. Northern Virginia Eagles came into things. Maybe they're older than us too. Yeah, I, I was pretty shocked when I went and looked yeah, at it. I was shocked how long they've been around. Because, um, you know, I, yeah, I uh, I originally came to the sport after being stationed while I was down in the Navy. I was stationed down in Jacksonville. That's where I originally found the sport. And of course, it was the Jacksonville Axemen headed by. Uh, I don't know if Drew would come on yet or not, but uh, Spinner Howland yeah. was definitely there because I remember hearing him on the radio. Um, so I remember they were they were around for quite a while. Um, but you know, even even if that's so, right, you, you would be the third third oldest team still in operation. You know what what gets you to that level of success year in and year out, regardless of of where you finish in the tables. You know, to have a team every year, you got to be strong in the community, and and you got to be able to, you know, of course, raise sponsorships. What has been important for you, your path um, over the, the history yeah, of the team? Yeah, I'd think? say the the big thing is we've had take this in any in any team, and it's it's good and bad. The, the uh, we we've had one, at least one passionate individual who has driven things forward and kept things going. So at first it was uh, a guy called Mick Shamas. He's the he's he's still the still owner of the team. He he set the team up. Was in Boston. Um, he was at Harvard, and uh, has a passion mm-hmm. for rugby league. So he decided he was going to set a team up. So he got things going, and then he recruited me to come over here. Got me a visa and and, and all that stuff to to come and coach his team. And then he he had to leave and go go work in the family business. And I took things over. Um, Unfortunately, we did have a couple of seasons where we wobbled um, because I I started um, I started to kind of like get out of the sports game and and I started a little bit more bar restaurant stuff probably two three years ago three four years ago now and um, right. and yeah I sort of said to the guys that I can't do everything anymore you guys have to step up and help and for a couple of seasons that didn't really happen it happened a little bit and we we, we fulfilled all our fixtures and finished the season but wasn't very successful so what ended up happening more recently is we formed a, formed a committee um, of five or six guys so I don't have to do everything anymore and um, and, and, and it's definitely the, the best way forward. I would say that um, 
Philadelphia certainly did that. Like I say, we, we, we said that they've been around a while. Jacksonville certainly have that. Um, whereas, I mean, Drew Slover does do the majority of the things down in Jacksonville, but they, they, they have three or four owners, investors, and, and other volunteers on the ground. Um, so, yeah, you definitely need somebody that's going to drive it forward. But, like, to turn things into being a success, I believe you need a team of people off the field making it making it work because it's just too much work for one person to do. Mm. Yeah, 100%. We had uh, Monte Gattis was on the last episode, and, and one of the things that I'm glad he touched on it right away because I was definitely going to talk to him about it. He, you know, he still has aspirations to continue to go on and play at the next level. And uh, I was glad to hear he, – he kind of beat me to the punch, but I was glad to hear that he had a team – behind, you know, what was going on in Cleveland. And because my, my question was, when I heard that there was going to be a team in Cleveland, was what, yeah. what happens when Monte's no longer there, uh, if he's gone on? And and it kind of exactly what you were talking about, right? What happens when the driving force behind the team is no longer there? Um, that's one of the things that we're struggling with right now. What what happens if I don't have the team, the, the time um, – to continue to put into it uh, because I've been offered to take other positions and do other things. What happens then? And I think it's going to be important to continue, you know, almost exactly like where our mascot came from. It came from a, a meme. And I say it all the time. Uh, it came from a meme of a pride of lions. that just says, surround yourself with people that are on the same mission. And I, I think that's important yeah, for any organization. Look at some of the teams that, that have come and gone in the U S um, a lot of the time it's been based around one, one particular person that's been driving things forward. So um, the Rhode Island Rebellion had, had a fantastic dynamo in Lawrence Almagno, who um, Lawrence qualified as a lawyer. And once yeah. he opened his own law practice, just, you know, mm. I, you know, 100% understandable. Would you rather be earning $500 an hour or something working as a lawyer or, you know, at a, at a meeting trying to secure sponsors for your rugby league team, you know, sort of, he, he's, he's got student debts that he had to pay off but probably pro- over five or six years of law school, you know. Um, right. That's just understandable. You know, Kurt, Curtis Kunz, um, when he had the Connecticut Wildcats, once Curtis stepped away, there's, there's now no Wildcats. You know, New York Knights. Um, they, New York Knights had a little bit of, from what I understand, had a, had a committee going. Um, but from what I hear, their coach stepped away maybe two years ago and that meant the, the, the Knights were no more. So, uh, so yeah, you you really need that 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 group of people that if one person steps back, because everything things always happen. Somebody, um, somebody, somebody has a child. Somebody gets a new job. Somebody moves out of town. Things things are always happening. Um, even even our committee from from two years ago, that when we first formed it, I would say we formed it with six people. Probably three of them are on the committee right now. We've they've left and done other stuff, and we brought other people on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's certainly like uh, many hands make light work. It's certainly the way forward, I believe. Yeah, it's it's almost like uh, you know a, a, a momentum, right? You got to have once that one person who's turning the crank, uh, driving the machine forward. Once they stop, uh, yeah. that momentum slows down and eventually goes away altogether. And um, it's also good too, right? Because one person could have tunnel vision and not even see a problem coming up, or not even seeing an opportunity coming up. And and I think it's important to to have yeah, ex- you know, exactly. a, a lot of input going on. You guys, you know, you went through a bunch of changes, right? I think there was there was the Boston Storm, then there was the Wolfhounds. I think the Braves were in there somewhere. Um, 
and I've, I believe the Braves, Boston Braves, were sponsored uh, by Budweiser, I'm, right? I'm actually not sure. At one point, that, that was way before my time. I know, I know the Boston Storm were uh, sure. Uh, basically, it was Spinner Howland. Spinner was in Boston, and um, that that was that was him trying to get things mm-hmm. going. Um, I think the Boston Wolfhounds. Um, I think they went. They didn't play as the Boston Wolfhounds as in a team name, but I think they. I think they backed the Boston Braves. So the Boston Wolfhounds is a strong rugby union club here. It's, it's actually the rugby union club that I'm involved with. Um, so I think the the Braves were the team, okay. but I think the Wolfhounds yeah. kind of like the players were, were were playing as the Braves over the summer. Um, and then there definitely was some downtime in the city of Boston because I know when when Mick Shamas when he started things up. There, there was no team, so he had to get things going from scratch again. I, yeah, and then uh, you came over in, in 2015, 2012, correct? Yeah, or 14. Um, so yeah, the team. Okay. I think he formed the team in. I should know this. I really should know this. Um, I believe it. Yeah, it was. It was 2009. So he started the team in 2009 in the old And uh, We were founding members of the USCRL in 2011, and after that first season. He uh, he he asked me to come over and to uh, to, to coach his team, and uh, I I I came over to coach, and then then he had to leave, so I had to take over a little bit more responsibility than I planned on doing. But sometimes you got to do what you want, what you got to do, you know. Yeah, and, and you know that's it's an interesting. It's uh, one of the other episodes. Uh, one of our first episodes was uh, with the supporters group for the Philadelphia Union, and you know their story was basically uh, three to five guys kept kept the entire organization afloat for forever, really just on determination. And, and uh, it seems that again, you know, there was always somebody inside the, the Boston organization who was able to step up and, and take over, you know, kind of the, the next man up, if you will, uh, and continue pushing. And, and uh, I really yeah, like that it, about it, what, uh, so what's happened with your Dustin organization. Cooper came over the same summer that I did. Um, and he met his, um, he met his wife within two or three weeks of being here. So, uh, so Dustin helped me out a lot. When Mick left, Dustin <laughs> helped me out a lot. He actually, it was a very strange situation. So Dustin was playing nine months in France, and then he he was coming over every summer and playing three months in Boston. But because he was a professional player in France, he actually had a lot of time to uh, to devote to what we were trying to do over here. So um, we'd bounce things back and forth every day. Me sitting on my laptop in Boston, him sitting on the, on his laptop in the south of France, and. Um, yeah, we made it happen together, and then um, yeah, what, what, what the, the the real thing that sucked is um, that he, uh, like I say, uh, I think it was the summer of 2016. I had to step away a little bit, and Dustin did the same. He he got himself a a, a fantastic job, and uh, his he, he had a young son, so you you got to you got to take priority, you know, like your your family's going to take priority. So so Dust, me and Dustin had to step away at the same sure. time, which is never a good thing. But you know, we we felt that we had enough people, enough people who played rugby league for a good number of years. We'd won a national championship in 2015, you know. So we we felt that we had enough people on the ground to uh, to move things forward. And unfortunately, nobody really stepped up. It didn't really happen. Um, people people helped out a little bit, but um, I still had to do a little bit too to to make sure the thing didn't fold. And yeah, like I said, it took it took a couple of years till the boys realized like, hey, if I don't step up here. Then I'm not going to have a rugby league team to play for. So, like I say, we we ended up with four or five guys stepping up, and and and, and I'm helping out too. And now we have a committee, which is fantastic. 
fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So you come now. Had you been to North America prior yeah, to being so offered the, the position to come over and quite coach in Orlando? Um, what I used to do, what I used to do back home is I used to um, right, right. I used to play my rugby season, and um, then after the season finished, I just wanted to get away for for two, three weeks and just uh, just sort of recharge the battery. So I used to come to Orlando every year, every second year, and do two weeks in the fall. And uh, I, I love America. I love American sports. Um, I actually have an uncle who emigrated here um, 50 years ago. He he moved to Milwaukee. I, do, I don't even know the story of how he moved to Milwaukee, but, um, but he sure did. So I feel like I got that little sort of wandering gene from... from from my uncle, uh, his, he, he has a brother, actually. My dad's a few brothers. <laughs> the other one went to South Africa, moved to Johannesburg in South Africa. So I, I, I certainly feel I have that sort of wandering gene from them. But, um, yeah, uh, loved America, loved American sports. Football is actually my favorite sport. I, I, prefer, I prefer watching football to watching rugby league because if I watch football, I can enjoy the game. If I watch rugby league, I, I analyze the game. It's not fun mm. for me. It's like Bill Bel. I doubt Bill Belichick sits back and you know mm. watches yeah. watches college football for enjoyment. He's not. He, that's just not not what he does. He watches the game when he's looking. What, what route did the receiver run on that play? You know, sort of um, that 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 punt return. It looks like he could fit well in my team when he comes out for, in the next draft. Like he's he's always watching for things. That's me the same. Watching rugby league now, you know, sort of why why are they playing those players? Why are they using those strategies and so forth? So I, I like like I say, because of that, football is actually my favorite sport. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, right? Um, it, it's like the old saying: uh, the, the yeah. mechanic usually has the worst car, right? Because he's working on cars all day long. Last thing he wants to do is come home and work on his. So. Yeah, so then you know you come over and then and then you wind up getting uh, getting tapped to to be the uh, um, at the time Tomahawks it was coach, the right? Hawks uh, now I, the USA Hawks involved, yeah. or, or was it the Hawks Basically, at the time? I'd won a um, I'd won a national championship in 2015. Well, actually, I, 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 I won a national championship in 2015, and then um, the the USA Hawks needed a, um, an interim coach for that for the 2016 season because. Um, the, the guy in charge, by Brian McDermott, was the Leeds Rhinos coach. So whenever we had a game in America here, but but Leeds would have fixtures, I, I'd have to take charge of the, the team because um, he's a professional coach with one of the biggest teams in the world. He can't just dip, dip for, for a week or two to go to coach the national team here in America. Yeah. But um, I'd done a little bit of stuff with the national team before that. Um, we actually played Leeds two years in a row in... in um, I'm assuming it would be would it definitely be in the start of 2016 and the start of 2015. And I coached the teams both of those years in Jacksonville too. Um, so yeah, I did it for did it for two or three years, and um, it's actually one of my one of my huge regrets. Um, I uh, at the end of 2016, I I broke up with my wife, and it just I, I wasn't in a good place. So I decided that I needed to step back from um, from coaching the team. It, I, I really wish, obviously, that, that me and my wife hadn't broke up, and I really wish I hadn't had to, um, had had hadn't had to um, <laughs> to to leave that. But you know, things happen. I, I, it, it's not something I'm I'm I'm, I'm too sure bitter about. You know, sort of. Yeah, it, it it happened. I loved coaching the national team, but you know, maybe I'll get a chance to in the future. Let's see. Let's see what happens. 
Right, right. Well, I asked that question because, you know, yeah. Tomahawks to me was kind of my preferred name for the team. And I know, uh, I know the captain had, hey, had recently well. come back, well. Mark, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name, Offerdahl. Oh, all right. Look at that. I'm learning. Uh, I, he's come out and said, you know, he'd like to see it go back to Tomahawks and, and, you know, good news that he's back in, in the U S uh, uh, U.S. now. Um, yeah. I, I think the, he's he, talking um, about uh, white actually, plains is where he's relocated. You right? know, on the um, talking sort of five, six, seven years ago, he was over here playing for the Connecticut Wildcats. Um, they were based, um, I forget exactly where in, uh, hmm. where in Connecticut they were based, but they were based very close to the New York border, very close to white plains. Um, so he, so that's a, that's an area of the U S that he's familiar with. And I believe he, he's in the process of setting up a gym with a guy he knew from, you know, like I say, th- uh, five, six, seven years ago. So that's um, fantastic. He was actually involved with um, the setting up of the White Plains Wombats. Um, kind of like, kinda, obviously, Dust, Dustin Cooper wasn't involved in the setting oh, up of okay. the Boston 13s, but helped out from afar. And that's what Mark did with the White Plains Wombats. He, um, wherever he was playing at the time, whether I, I know Mark's played in France, Mark's played in, in England, or played in Australia, wherever he was overseas, he still helped um, to a certain extent. I, I don't know how much he was helping, but he, he certainly was involved when they were setting up and sort of as things were moving forward. So, um, so it's fantastic that Mark's going to go back and be involved with the Wombats. And, uh, and hopefully, I know I, I've had brief discussions with him, um, he hopefully, he's going to try and drive things forward here in the U.S. at a governor body level and on the national team level as well. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you, you talked about that. We, we talk about uh, branding all the time and, and how important it is. And uh, it, do you know where the name uh, White Plains Wombats came from? Was that somebody, you know, did, did they pick that yeah, out? Was so it somebody who was, who was I, from I down think, under uh, that, that uh, came up I mean, with that or? Like for for anybody maybe listening uh, overseas, White White Plains is a is a town or a city on just outside of New York City. So um, I know when I first came over here, I didn't know where New Haven Warriors were from, you know. But obviously, New Haven is New Haven is a town. Uh, or city, sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, and I didn't know that's actually where Yale University is. But I'd, I'd certainly heard of Yale. Um, so yeah, White Plains. Obviously, we we know this, but other people might not. White Plains is a town or city on the uh, in New York State. Um, wombats. Yeah, don't know where they came up with wombats. I think it might have been caused because they had Australian people. They had Mark uh, Offerdahl and Christian Freed involved. So maybe maybe they they went with the with the wombats theme. Is that is that nickname? Yeah. Yeah, I, I always wondered that. It just it just seemed, you know, you look at some of the other ones out there and, and they're they're uniquely American, uh or have some kind of ties or, or a reason behind it. The one bats one was just kind of seemed uh I think, you know, it kind of rhymed with it. I, I don't know where it came from. Uh I I'm a fan of the name. Yeah. Um, I think that's where it came from. I, I just always wondered where it came from. So Yeah. And well Yeah, I sure, <laughs> I sure will. Well, speaking of throwbacks, I was going back through some of uh, some of the players that you guys had there, and uh, I see that you guys had a uh, Springville, so I Vermont he, I th- uh, native, I uh, Brendan Smith. Actually, so I think he might have been before uh, my time. Could be. I, I was just uh, surprised to see it. Yeah. I think it was in the archives of, of your, your website, the team's website, uh, to see that there. And, yeah. you know, it's always great to see uh, yeah, Vermonters yeah, out doing good. So, you know, anytime I see him, I, I try to shout um, him out. So – 20 would be in the 2017 season. Um, his name is Anthony Jackson Miller, and um, he either I, I, I forget how it, how it works here, he either lives in Vermont and works in Canada, 
or he lives in Canada and works in Vermont. I can't remember. I think it's I think it's he lives in America and then travels to Canada for work. Um, but yeah, he was a player that played with uh, Connecticut Wildcats back mm. in the day, and he played with the Southampton Dragons back in the day as well. I don't know if you if you if you're familiar with the Southampton Dragons. They played, I believe, two summers in the yeah. NRL um, with uh, Craig Priestley and um, Teddy Grabowski, uh, both. Uh, top Australian guys, they were involved with the Dragons, but Anthony Jackson Miller played for them. He played for the Connecticut Wildcats at some point. Um, and yeah, was driving down from Vermont to play uh, play for us during the 2017 season. That's not that bad, because I think uh, downtown Boston is maybe four hours from, from Burlington. So it's really not that bad. Um, you know, even though we've got two major cities in Canada that are closer than, than uh, Boston. Uh, you know, it only takes about two hours to get to uh, Quebec from here in uh, Montreal and then, uh, you know, another hour and a half to Ottawa from there. But, you know, it, it's it's always nice to see, you know, relation guys coming down from, from yeah, definitely or wherever to, to play in a big club. So, yeah, no, speaking of all those players that have come down, what do you guys do for player pathways now? Do you do you still have relationships with, with uh, you know, the clubs that you played for uh, um, overseas and, like, yes, and you bring no. your, your import players? Yeah, I, uh, I have a lot, of, um, a lot of connections overseas. I play professionally and work for the RFL. Um, Dustin Cooper has the same. And, and sometimes you'll um, – you'll have brought a player over, you know, so – um, in 20, 2015, the year we won the championship, we brought over a guy called Kane Bentley from um, from Toulouse in France. He was a friend. friend he played with Dustin, uh, I believe, I believe Pia in France. They played together. Then Kane went over to Toulouse. Dustin uh, was over here at this point. But uh, even even now, every every year, if we're bringing over players, I'll hit Kane or pay Kane. Do you know anybody who might want to come over this summer? Um, and sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. But um, you you throw it out there, and see uh, and see who who knows people. The best thing to do is to bring people over on recommendations of others, because there has been certainly um, players come to America, and it's happened to us sure. as well here in Boston. That you you think you're getting a fantastic player or a fantastic person, and it doesn't quite work out because. Um, they're not as as you thought they were going to be, you know. So the more you know about them, the more people will vouch for them, the the more chance of them being a success, success over here. Yeah, exactly. Or, or even yeah. Last thing you need is somebody who's a headache yeah, off that, the field, right? Um, and, and for for various reasons, will be will be an issue on the field. Um, they will come over and they will. Um, they will want to be in charge, and it's like, no, I'm the coach, I'm in charge. But unfortunately, they're on the field, and like one of the things that your import players quickly re- quickly realize is that you can't take them out of the team. I mean, you could, you could, but the fact that you potentially made an investment mm. to bring them over, um, yeah. and they're certainly one of your top players, the chances of you sitting them on the bench is very slim. So, uh so, but so sometimes you do have a lot of, or sometimes they come over and just wanna, they wanna have fun playing rugby league, and that's understandable. But you know when 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 guys are offloading in our own twenty, and we drop the ball and I'm yelling at them, you know, uh, we we sometimes we sometimes would have those disconnects because 
um, I'm like, here, we need to complete our sets, kick the ball down the other end. And they think that because they're better than everybody else on the field, that they can offload, chip and chase or whatever they want to do, you know. Um, so we've certainly had problems with, uh, with with players on the field, but also off the field because you you, uh, you don't know what you're getting. So you do try and vet them as much as you can, uh, get as much um, info on them before you bring them over. But it, it's never really a foolproof situation. You, no, you've never seen them playing at this level um, around these guys until they get here. So th- th- there's always going to be a few teething problems. Because, I mean, how do, it's got to be a balance, right? How do you manage, you know, your import players along with the players that you really need who, who are local yeah, exactly. players who come out of passion and show up every, you know, day in and day out and maybe maybe don't have the same skill, but, you know, they're the guys really holding it together when, yeah, when that's you've got you some players, some coming players over that aren't necessarily your, in it for all the right players. reasons. It's like, no, you, you knew when you came over that you were going to be playing with these players, you know, so you've got to, Sort of, you, you've got to measure your expectations. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had players, you know, sort of. Yeah, we need to drop this guy. We need to get rid of this guy. Talking about the American players, it's like, yeah, well, when you're gone next year, this kid's still going to be here, hopefully. Um, you know, so we have to w- work with this kid, and he might right. not be the finished article right. right now, but maybe in a year or two he will be. Um, but um, so yeah, there's all these little, like I say, little problems, yeah. and you just have to try and. Um, I and I'm out. Yeah, I, I I try and you know make a phone call with them. Um, so you chat with them on the phone. You tell them what what how it's gonna work. You know. Um, yeah, when we sure. go on road trips, we might you, you, you might not have your own hotel room. You know, when we go on certain road trips, we might not have a bus. You know, we might all be in just cars because of the financial situation that the club is in. You know, like. Um, I, I know that hiring a coach in America is a is a is a huge expense. It's it's definitely more expensive than back home. Uh, back home, you wouldn't dream on going on an away trip, and and you wouldn't be on a coach. Yeah. But here, th- there's not many teams at all would go on a coach. Um, so yeah, th- there's all, all these things that you got to tell them about before they get here, because if you don't, it can cause you problems once once they do get here. You know. Yeah, I think you got to be clear up front, even if it's with local players, uh, domestic players. Um, you know, you got to you got to want to come and do this for the right reasons, um, and it's got to be because you're committed to the to the outcome of what we're trying to get. You you understand, you know, what we're trying to do here, and you know, I, I get it. You're going to have players that are going to be very talented, and they're going to want to come and just spend the summer in the U.S. Right, um, but if you're not willing to put in some work uh, in the rest of the event, right? Helping other players who are here that are here day in and day out yeah, are going to be exactly. here next year. Um, this might not be the right obviously fit we're, for you. The, and, I mean, um, certain clubs might do things differently, but most of the time, um, the most uh, an overseas player is getting over here is, is free accommodation for the summer. That's the, And maybe their flight's paid depending on who it is and which club they're going to and so forth. Hmm. No, nobody's certainly coming over on a uh, on a on like a professional right. sports visa, um, nobody's getting paid to play, so it, it does limit you to the players that want to come. You know, if you're a professional player in England or Australia, um, you're used to getting paid to play rugby. The, the chances are you're not going to quit your job to to come play in America. You know, um, so. Uh, so yeah, so so that takes out a huge chunk of players yeah. that you'd love to bring over, but you just can't. 
So uh, you 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 then you you then sniffing around, or you know, like a lot of the times in like an Australian player that maybe it, you, you've got to, he's got to have a, he's got to have a job in Australia that you can walk back into, you know. So um, a lot of the time you might get construction guys come over because you know they can just pick up a job on the construction side as soon as they get back. But somebody who works in say a bank, you know, like their job's probably not going to be there for them once uh, once they've done their three months of footy in America. Yeah, I think it would be hard for me to to hire somebody on in in my business and in, in, yeah. um, knowing that, right? Even though I'm, I understand why they would want to do it, um, but it, it takes all kinds. Uh, it's it's interesting what's going on in North America. It seems like it's changing every single day um, as to what's happening. And I think we've, you know, Toronto is probably not the the last of the big news that we're going to hear before the first of the year. I, I would imagine. And um, I, you know, I've I've heard some things going on about uh, some some things that are in the potential uh, future for women's, for men's, the masters that's going on. We've got a lot going on right now. It's an exciting time to be here. But um, again, I think we've got to make sure that we're, we're yeah, all in it for the right reasons. We yeah, all have a plan yeah, and we understand that we're going to work the plan. Got to start working if we do that, we'll be successful. Moving forward. You know, we've, we've got to, uh, we got to get everybody singing a lot, singing from the same, same hymn sheet at governing body level, you know? Um, like, yeah. Uh, we need to find out. Um, so you know, we got the uh, we got like women's competition going, and you know, we got a we we got a wheelchair team going to the World Cup. I don't know. We have any wheelchair rugby league being played. I don't know who's who's running that up, where the players are playing right now, or anything. You know, um, you know the the national the the national team needs right. right. needs needs sorted. Um, well, and what like you know, sort of like you say, Mark mentioned that we should change. Um, Change the name back to the Tom Hawks. I actually threw out a very controversial suggestion on Twitter. Nobody really picked up on it, which I was surprised at. Because so somebody somebody suggested that uh, there might be an issue with David <laughs> Newey if we uh, brought back the Tom Hawks name. I suggested bringing back David Newey. He's a he's a he's a guy with a fantastic passion for rugby league, and maybe maybe people didn't love how he ran things back you know, sort of 10 years ago or however long it was. But can you afford in rugby league in America not to have these um, these people with such a passion for rugby league and such a, you know, like, like such a business acumen to make things happen? You know, like sh- sh- surely we should be trying to get everybody rugby league-wise involved and obviously there's going to be some personalities clashing, but we need some strong leadership at the top and, you know, hopefully we can drive it forward. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'll probably double down on that. Um, And again, it might be a little bit controversial, you know, maybe not as close as what you said, but I I think we need a strong American um, and passion behind it. And, um, you know, there's been a ton of work and we would be standing on the, on the shoulders of some giants, but I think we've got to get, uh, those passionate Americans, uh, out there putting in the work and, and getting into the right places. And cause in the end, we got to forge our own identity and, um, you know, the game is where it is. Uh, we've got to pick up the pieces and move on, but we've got to have our own identity, our own playing style. And, and eventually we've got to have our own strong yeah. national no, I, competition or our domestic national competition, uh, whatever yeah, that means, I, I whether actually, it's combining you know, coasts or, or whatever. I agree with you there. Um, I, I, I certainly think that our national governing body right now finds, 
finds an Australian person who has a little bit of a business acumen or whatever and a little bit of a background in the sport. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, right, let's get this person on the board of the national team and uh, board of the national governing body. Um, it, one thing that happened for the last World Cup, and, and I was very, 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 very disappointed about it, was that Danny Hansen was our national team manager for years, two, three, four, five years, managed the USA Hawks. Um, he was then told he wasn't going to the World Cup. He would have probably been the only actual American person on the staff of that World Cup team, and they told him he wasn't going. And they put they put they put an Australian guy in his place who lived in London, you know, like some Australian wow. guy who lived in London is now the team manager in the World Cup, and Danny's done it for four or five years, and I, I just didn't agree with that at all. I really didn't. I think if you're going to run, uh, you're going to run an yep. organization uh, here in the U.S. You need to be here in the U.S. Um, um, uh, you know, he, that, that I don't think manager, you can do it. Uh, they brought uh, they brought onto the national team board and lives in Australia like why do we have people who live and reside in Australia as running on running our sport over here it's just not right that needs that needs fixed ASAP yeah so listen uh two things left but before I, I know you got uh, other things to do then talk to me uh but uh, two things left before before we end the show here um uh, number one 13 seasons for the same team uh, that is not something that happens very often uh, ah, in American sports. You know what what was it like to spend 13 years uh, so playing was, for one team? That was a big part. It be, where, where I'm from in the world, we're very loyal people. And um, I, I love my city, my city in Newcastle. And, um, and yeah, they, they gave us a professional team in 1999. And I like, you know, sort of, it's all I wanted to do was play for my team, play for my club. And, and that's what I did. And, um, you know, we, we had a, if I'm honest, we had a lot. We had some success, but not as much success as I would like. And it's actually one of the reasons why I stopped playing and moved to America, that in the season 2008 and uh, the season of 2009, we had uh, two very successful seasons. And then our, uh, our chairman moved on. There wasn't as much money. And... Um, and we we struggled twenty two thousand and ten and two thousand and eleven. And I just mm. lost the love for it a little bit, the passion for it, and I just started to look for other things. And that's when I was chatting with Mick Shamas and and the opportunity to come to Boston arose. Um, looking back on it now, you know, I, I'm I'm thirty eight years old now. Like I said, I, I'm very proud that I played all those games for my club. And in thirteen years, I I am now thinking, you know, you probably should have tried it tried to play at some other clubs in England. You probably should have went to Australia and played, you know. Um, but, you know, so like, like I say, I'm proud of what I did, but also I, I now, I'm now thinking that I probably should have gone and, and tried some other stuff. I, I think America's opened my eyes a little bit. A lot of people, um, they move to different cities the whole time, you know, like, like I find our roster changes a lot because... Um, you know, oh, I got a job in Pittsburgh. I got to move to Pittsburgh. You know, my my wife's got a job in this city. We got to move. You know, like the people move around cities a lot more in America than they right. do back home. Um, but uh, yeah, like I say, it it happened. I I, I loved my time there. But uh, yeah, part of me right now thinks that I would have maybe been better served, like you know, playing playing some rugby elsewhere too. But you know, no regrets. That's the way you got to leave it, right? 
Oh, regrets. So listen, we're, we're both in New England. Brings me to the last subject, uh, the New England Nines Championship Series, the, the one thing that uh, we've really been trying to push here. Uh, I think, you know, really just looking at what Jacksonville did to be successful down south, you know, we're at the very farthest end of, of New England, you know, really couldn't be more far north unless we were way up uh, Presque Isle, Maine. Um, you know, we've got to kind of do the same thing to, you know, build uh, some, some teams here in New England. And that's why we put forward the Nines Championship. And I know you and I have talked about it. Uh, you know, what do you think about it? What do you think uh, the, the future can hold for a Nines yeah, Championship for some, for, some other know, clubs, yeah, even if it's juniors or women's or, a lot about, or what have you? Uh, I, I mentioned uh, in, tw- in 2013 and 2014 how we would play some Nines Rugby League um, between our, our, our under-23 team here in Boston and under-23 team in Rhode Island out of the Rhode Island Rebellion. And they also had a Rhode Island training school and a team into the competition too. Rhode Island training school is a, is a juvenile detention facility. Um, Lawrence was going in there and coaching the kids how to play rugby league. They had some fantastic athletes. Their discipline was a little bit off, but they had some fantastic athletes. But um, yeah, I, I, I know that some of the guys that I had I have started yeah. playing for me in Boston. They started playing in in that competition that we we ran back then. So uh, I'm very excited for it. Hopefully, maybe we can get the Rhode Island Rebellion back. We can certainly get the the, the team going in Vermont. Um, you know, we, we would love to obviously get something going in 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 all of the states. See, see if see if somebody in New Hampshire can make it. I I know a guy in New Hampshire that, that that's a rugby league guy. He's a big Salford fan. Um, I know guys in Maine who have rugby league backgrounds. Creek Priestley's in Maine right now. Uh, he was one of the stars of the World Cup in 2013. He lives in Freeport, Maine right now. Um, and yeah, obviously, I mean, we talked just earlier that the that, that White Plains Wombats, they're on the border of Connecticut, you know, uh, which, which is obviously a New England state too. So we would love to, 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 you know, sort of, is there anybody from the old New, New, New Haven Warriors that would, Want to get something going out of New Haven? There's there's so much opportunity when it when everything's not formalized, um, they they can uh it can be a little, you, you can get a little bit more success from it. You know, if 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 we're clever about it, you know, like there's a lot of um there's a lot of guys that absolutely sports yeah. that that might want to give rugby league a try, but because of the current US season, they just can't. You know, they play rugby union sevens every Saturday in the summer, so they can't play rugby league nines, but um, depending on when our season is, or depending on what day of the games are, are they on Saturdays, are they on Sundays, you know, like some of these players um, might be interested in playing. I, uh, I I believe some of the rugby union players around here are starting to open their eyes a little bit to rugby league because they um, they were hoping for a professional rugby union franchise for years and they got one, but unfortunately, and they say it's the same happened with the Wolfpack. Um, mm. They were all about, yeah, we'll we'll have the Wolfpack. Obviously, was like we'll have Canadian players, we'll have Canadian players, we'll have North American players. The New England Free Jacks were, like, yeah, we'll have New England players, we'll have New England players. Whereas if you look at their roster, they don't have New England players. The, the pathways just aren't there. They're they're trying to say that the pathways are there, but they're they're not. They're, they're just not. Unless you're unless yeah. you are the one in a million player, you're not getting a run for the New England Free Jacks. So. Um, Professional rugby league, semi-professional rugby league could be an avenue for a lot of these guys. I, I'm certainly getting interest from um, guys who who have not had interest from before, um, because they're now looking for other opportunities because they feel like their professional rugby union aspirations are now sort of like gone by the wayside. 
Yeah, I, I am very optimistic about what the future could hold. Uh, I think we've got a tremendous amount of, of, of talent up here that's you know really untapped, especially I say it all the time about Vermont, uh, the amount of players that have gone on to uh, be Hall of Fame players and, and uh, major league players uh, in, in hockey uh, in the NHL have been incredible just from Vermont alone, the players that have come through here. So, you know, I think we've, we've got it. We've got the talent. Uh, we just got to, you know, marshal some resources behind what we're trying to do and I think yeah, we can definitely. get there. I'm excited for it for sure. Well, listen, I completely enjoyed uh, you being on the show, learning a lot about uh, you know the, the closest big club to us, uh, about the history, about uh, you know the history of the people involved, and, and what made it successful. And uh, I appreciate yeah, thank your, time. You for your time too. It's been great.